Alright guys, here we are, we're back. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm feeling relaxed, rejuvenated, reinvigorated after our extended stay at Casa de Rock in the Suburbs. That was nice. Mm. That was nice. The Comfy. Cushy chairs, the pool, the yeah. sauna. I hope everybody oh, yeah. likes that. If anybody does like that particularly, please let us know. Please let us know if that, like that little series that we did. The Zappa stuff, the Zappa mm-hmm. episodes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we're gonna try to do some more specials like that every once in a while. But uh, it's a cool opportunity. It's a lot of fun. Fantastic opportunity. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jim Patrick. But enough frivolity. Let's get back to the uh, the nuts and bolts. We're getting this is like the Monday edition, even though it's mm-hmm. a Wednesday. <laughs> uh, Nick, you are first on tap today. What do you got for us? Yeah. Let's uh, let's start off with. Uh, there's actually a John Coltrane record that was that was dropped just last week called Blue World that I think we'd enjoy. Go ahead and roll that. should check it out hey that was that was i'll jolly. be honest i've i've had i've listened to that record probably probably six times this past week <laughs> just at <laughs> different sweet, points man. of the day when i've been like really stressed i've just popped that back on so why not i was thinking about whether what what to play and and i thought you know what heck with it I'm go for it man so this album came out last week and it was actually a session that hadn't been released it was recorded at 4a as a soundtrack for a, a film that was being made but it was in between the crescent and a love supreme session mm. okay. so these guys are just these guys are just in the middle of like their kind of most producing some of the greatest jazz. Yeah. yeah exactly like they, they were just so in their element and it just the whole thing just has such a relaxed but i mean it's it's beautiful and and, and yeah. really well done obviously yeah it's intense um, man that that quartet is uh one of the best ever with McCoy Legendary. Tyner yeah, and Melvin Jones. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of doesn't need any introduction, but uh, <laughs> there you go. Well, speaking right. of introductions, uh, you're listening to uh, your, you should check it out. My name is Jay. I'm Nick. And I'm Greg Loman. <laughs> <laughs> and we're getting back at it. Uh, without further ado, Nick, I uh, think you went to go see a concert recently, huh? I did. I went uh, two weekends ago. Uh, to see Rick Wakeman perform Rick Wakeman. his Grumpy Old Man <laughs> concert. Mm-hmm. Is that really what it's called? It's really what it's called. <laughs> I, I, went, I went with or Grumpy Old Musician, or I'm not sure. Uh, went with my dad, and, you know, just, if nothing else, great t- great opportunity to hang out. But, man, it was really cool. He It was it was him, solo, just on the piano. And Nick, just, um, 
just for the you know the very 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 small subset of who don't know what who Rick might Wakeman not is? be a hundred percent familiar with Rick Wakeman. Can you? I'm sure, I'm sure all of our listeners are well. Uh, I know, was, I know. It's just he's best known is best known as the the keyboardist for Yes. For Yes. Um, also, probably modeled after in most of the Spinal Tap middle <laughs> section. Um, well he's uh, he's he's an over the top, very very talented keyboarded player. Uh, that played with Yes. And to be honest, that's about the extent of what I knew about him. I, I'm, I'm very familiar with with Yes. But but he basically spent the the show half the time talk, telling stories and half the time just sitting at the piano and playing. And for like a 70-plus-year-old, the guy has retained his chops amazingly. I was actually yeah. pretty impressed. Uh, but I didn't realize how many artists he had actually worked with, most notably the one that really caught my ear and, and had me fascinated was how closely he had worked with David Bowie on on most of his records through, yeah. throughout the 70s. Yeah, you mentioned um, that. I, I really wasn't aware of that. I had no idea either. And it was, the the concert was, what's a nice way to say small? Intimate. It was an intimate venue. <laughs> right? um, and uh, that's, that's and, like describing our podcast audience. Yes. It's a very intimate right. conversation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. It's like you're in a living Party room. Party of three, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I hadn't realized how closely he had worked with David Bowie, and he just didn't have. He had so many nice things to say about the guy. We've, I've heard about how much of um, like a considerate and thoughtful person he was to other mm-hmm. to fellow artists. But but he told these stories, and it really seems like David Bowie had like a really heightened level of empathy as far as understanding an artist's personality mm-hmm. and just saying whatever like saying what needed to be said to kind of calm that person down and kind of get them in their zone so he just had a handful of stories that were you know half self-deprecating and entirely complimentary towards david bowie that uh that i just thought was was really cool and then another thing was that he started playing this song that he had written and then kind of like stopped and and got up to tell a story and was and, and said uh that he had worked with Cat Stevens in 1968 and was playing this in the studio before the session started, and the producer uh-huh. really liked the way this song sounded. It was for this op- rock opera that he was make- <laughs> making about the wives of Henry VIII, which is perfect. Oh, of um, course. But, but, uh, <laughs> but essentially, it's Morning Has Broken by, by Cat Stevens. Like, really? That whole thing is is pretty much taken out of like his... like. Catherine uh, track from this, the wives of Henry VIII <laughs> album that he recorded in his early twenties. So Catherine it, of Aragon, right? Pretty much. Um, so pomposity aside, it was it was actually a really cool show, and and I had a good time. So just on the topic of I, Bowie and Sidemen, um, yeah. I remember him saying. I mean, he had all the best guitar players and keyboardists and different things, but specifically guitar players from Stevie Ray Vaughan to uh, Robert Fripp is on Heroes, all mm-hmm. and, and all these musicians. He he had a quote about. It. He's like all the guitarists that I've featured on my albums did their best work with me. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like hard to, I mean, you can debate it obviously, but he's kind of got a point. I don't know. I mean, if you listen to um, uh, Let's Dance, that's Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, his, his public persona, David Bowie's public persona is so different than like stories that artists tell about what he's like working with. Mm. Um, like he kind of puts that, you know, he puts on the bravado, if you will, oh, yeah. in in public because that's his public persona. But 
but as far as uh, his um, his the way he worked with artists, the 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 loyalty that artists that worked with him felt towards him. Yeah, you know, there's the whole like yeah. Lou Reed story, and but really cool. It was it yeah. was a great concert. And, and I'm draw I'm drawing a blank. I think the guy's name Carlos Alomar, the guitar player. That I mean, he played on most of Bowie's great records from the '70s. There's not too many musicians that worked with Bowie again and again and again but Carlos was one of them and he he said the same along the same lines and you know he, he really appreciated Bowie's loyalty and and sensitivity and the way that he was mm-hmm. able to pull different musicians in yeah so that's great, that is my what was uh, what was Guy Klein's review of the of the performance oh he thoroughly enjoyed it it was uh excellent he also went through this like here's kind of his my influences so he played some like Beatles tracks and some stuff that he listened to as a kid, and um, and it was re- which was also really interesting because you then when he would he would go on to tell a story and then play one of his songs, and you could totally hear those influences directly. Like he was very careful about the songs he was picking, especially the songs that were influencing him, and you could immediately hear like, oh yeah, that that's you you know like phrasing or things. So it was right it was on. a great time. Very, right on, man. Cool. Nice. Well, speaking of masters of the of the musical craft, sensitivity, artistry. That's got to be Greg. Um, you know, whenever we're looking for an update on, um, you know, geniuses like Tom DeLonge of mm-hmm. Blink-182, we, we always turn to Greg. So, uh, oh, Greg, well. you, you mentioned... What is Tom up to? <laughs> I Okay, let's just start here. So, you guys are probably f- are familiar with Blink-182. Of course. Never been, yeah. never been my favorite band. I'm going to get out no, there. Not, a not necessarily some a band that I couldn't stand, but I never bought any of their records. I, you know, if I, if they had come out maybe like five to ten years before they did, I might have liked them. But um, I sort of missed the boat on that band. But they were obviously very popular. They had a bunch of hits in the late '90s and the early 2000s. Pop punk is sort of the the brand that they uh, mm-hmm. they pushed. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like a a wimpier Green Day. Um, okay. You know, um, although they had a pretty, they had a really badass drummer. Yes, they did. You know, and they're still on tour. However, they're on tour now without one of their front men, Tom DeLonge, who... What's he up to? Well, he has a new band called Angels and Airways, but that's not what I want to talk about. There was an article published in the New York Times uh, last week, last weekend, describing how Tom DeLonge became a UFO researcher. Hmm. <laughs> and it sounds like mm-hmm. a joke, right? Okay. The discussion of whether we all know the the discussion of whether or not UFOs are out there have it's always debated, but it reached sure. a fever pitch last week when the United States Navy confirmed the three widely shared videos captured by naval aviators in 2004 and 2015 were indeed real. Yeah, and which showed, was a big deal. Big deal. Of course, it's a big deal. They're saying like we don't know what it is. That it is a it is. An unidentified yeah. aerial phenomena. Right. Now, so they hadn't publicly confirmed that prior to this. No, because this no. story's been around for a couple of years, right? The story has been around. The video's been yeah, circulated. Yeah, because the videos around. The videos have been around. Those guys have been on all kinds of different shows, and but yeah, they just came out and confirmed that they're not aliens, but unidentified. But that the, so the video, the actual source footage is real. Right. And they say the three videos show mysterious objects in the sky and contain audio of pilots trying to make sense of what they were seeing. Mm-hmm. They gained notoriety, like you guys said, and then they were published in 2017 and 2018 by the New York Times and a company called To The Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences, which was founded in 2017. It's run by a team of 12, including several former government employees, and they try to advance society's understanding of scientific phenomena 
through the lenses of entertainment, science, and aerospace. Okay. A noble, a noble pursuit. But many people... Yeah, exactly. But what sort of struck a lot of people is when you look at the list of its founders, there he was, Tom DeLonge from Blink-182. <laughs> so... <laughs> no, well, there, there was a... Um, Hands down, the most entertaining episode of Joe Rogan's video version of the podcast that he has was uh, was his interview with Tom DeLonge. Oh, I haven't um, seen that yet. That was one that a lot of people have told me about, but I haven't actually watched it yet. It's a ride, man. It's a freaking ride. Um, <laughs> because Joe Rogan is no is no uh, is not afraid to touch on the the weirder sure. stuff, sure. right? So, I, yeah, I mean, entertaining in like, ooh, yikes, um, mm-hmm. kind of of a way. Um, what, what were your thoughts, Greg? I, I, right. Well, so I guess a ba- basically he just he was just fascinated with UFOs ever since he was a kid. And he uh-huh. has a celebrity status. And he says in the article that that helped him, you know, kind of get into some rooms. And then he tried to be eloquent with his passion about this topic. Uh-huh. And, you know, is just putting energy into it. And started this uh, think tank or this group uh, to the, the the company, the To the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences. And I think that, I mean, he does bring up one interesting point, I thought, which is basically like everyone's looking at the government to like tell us when this is going to happen. And we don't necessarily have to approach it that way. True. Yeah, I just kind of, you know, you can read the article for yourself. I mean, it might be, it might seem like a joke, but... Um, no, I, I guess, okay, here's the best way I could characterize it. He, he, see, he strikes me as a, a particularly eager recipient of information specifically regarding like an alien conspiracy concept kind of a thing and he really comes across that way i think in like when he talks about it and there's like a video of him talking about it and like i shoot man i i hope i hope we're not alone right (laughs) i hope i hope one day we find this stuff out that like there's some other stuff out there and all that i i do recall this story popping up and i honestly wouldn't be surprised if it like turned out to be some other some experimental like technology that some other government was using which which is totally real. Sure. It's uh I don't know that this is the 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 right so, messenger. Greg, you said that he has another band. Does the UFO stuff has it been taking up his time and that's why he's not doing Blink-182 anymore? I is I could I couldn't say whether why he left the band. He's <clears throat> he started his this new project and um it's funny I was actually down in just north of San Diego in Encinitas and he has this like little shop and my buddy took me to it and it's just basically like all his merch for his band and like books about space and stuff (laughs) and he's kind of like he's one of like the guys in town down there Um, he's actually supporting a program that I was very involved with in DC they're moving to the west coast they're called Music Corps he's been kind of helping them set up on the west coast and um so i i don't know i feel like he's he seems like a really cool guy but his passion for this is just you know again it's similar you know i kind of like i like to pick the stories that just kind of raise the eyebrow you know (laughs) (laughs) like like the asap rocky one with trump you know (laughs) thank you you didn't you didn't i I drew my best (laughs) thank you very much it it reminds me of are are you guys are familiar with uh jeff skunk baxter absolutely the guitar nope. player he played with uh, Steely Dan, mm-hmm. probably what he's most oh. famous for. I don't, I don't know if you knew this, Craig, or not. But I, I know exactly, actually, yeah, what you're talking about. So he's really big into jet propulsion and security and nuclear nuclear security, oh. specifically. He got an opportunity through 
some means, when, I, I'm going to have to look it up and, and fill in the details here a little bit, but he didn't have a doctorate, but he, because of his notoriety, like, like you were saying, Greg, on a similar level, he got invited to be part of this discussion group. And through that, people started realizing this guy actually knows what he's talking about. This guy's a really smart mm-hmm. dude, and he actually has done the research. And if, since then, he's like published papers on nuclear security and, you know, international relations. It's crazy, man. But, I mean, he's still a functioning, you know, rock musician. Absolutely. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's a part of these, like, huge government panels and, like, has been accepted as part of the national security community. I it's actually, um, yeah, I saw him a few times at NAM. He's always hanging out with the D'Angelico people, D'Angelico <laughs> yeah. Guitars. And, nice. uh, yeah, he, we have a mutual friend. And I think he works with Northrop Gunman. Is, is, am I saying That's that right? That's it, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah Northrop yeah. Gunman, yeah. And so he's, like, between... LA I think he's got a place in Malibu and then he goes to Virginia all the time just back and <laughs> forth and he's a, he's an he's an elegant cat man you know like and you can watch him playing on the uh what's that show the um the gold gray whistle test is that yeah with yeah. Steely Dan with like Bill Cosby Absolutely. as the host and you see him playing reeling in the years he's doing the solo on the telly and everything it's killing yeah but <laughs> he's still got and he's just got that massive stash he's still got it <laughs> Jeff Skunk Baxter yeah well, man shout out to Jeff Skunk Baxter Damn straight. All right. Well, I apologize for I apologize for having to play the the, the role of skeptic this week. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Greg. You don't disappoint either. <laughs> um. <laughs> Thanks for keeping us current on the important topics, Greg. As always, what did you want to share for uh, for your music selection this week? Uh, well, you know, I like to usually correlate my music pick with the article that I picked, but I don't like Blink One Eighty Two, so I <laughs> decided. Well, I, well, excuse me. First, I was thinking to myself, well, you know what's some punk that I do like? And then I started thinking about my hometown of DC and Fugazi. And then I, it came to mind that I have a homie, a really talented guitar player named Anthony Pirog, who is playing and recording with the rhythm section of Fugazi now. And they have a band called The Mesthetics. And they are an instrumental kind of space rock. And uh, this is off of their second album. I believe the song is called... Touch Earth, Touch Sky. Yeah, dude. Shout out to Anthony. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't heard of them at all uh, before you shared that. Um, that's really interesting that that's the rhythm section of Fugazi. It's kind of got a. Um, have you ever? You guys are familiar with Mogwai? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever hear mm-hmm. that that uh, soundtrack they did for the Zidane movie? I don't know if I've ever heard that one. Oh God, it's so good. Cool. I mean, obviously, Greg, you know Zinedine Zidane. They made a movie about him. I, they made the greatest movie of all time about what? him. What? <laughs> oh my God, I got. I got to watch that way, right away. It's right. Uh, some some indie French. Oh, thing. they they recorded a full length movie that's ninety minutes long, and all it is is tracking Zinedine Zidane as he goes through one Champions League match. Ooh, and there's like it's wow. just it's the sound like the sounds from the pitch, uh-huh. him talking and all that shit, and then it's Mogwai doing space rock behind it. Do- <laughs> it's great. Is it on YouTube? Where can I find yeah, it? I'm pretty sure. All um, right. Well, might I'll, be some weird, strange indie documentary site. I'll, but I'll, yeah, I'll, look I'll throw in my Zidane jersey and look it up. I'm I'm amazed you haven't seen that. Yeah, I never even so heard good. of that, bro. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. Yeah, that was a great track. That was a great track. Well, well placed, Greg. Mm. Picked it well. Uh, Jay, what what do you have for us this week? Thank you, Nick. Yeah. Uh, so this week, uh, this wasn't what I had anticipated talking about this week, but <clears throat> this Monday evening, which was September the 30th, 2019, mm-hmm. my one of my favorite guitar players of all time, Richard Thompson, um, celebrated his 70th birthday with this huge blowout concert wow. at the Royal Albert Hall in London. Oh. And that's kind nice. of a big deal. I mean, I, you know, you've seen... I, the You know, the best performers in the world play at the Royal Albert Hall. I'm not sure how many times... Richard Thompson's ever gotten a chance to play there? I can't imagine it's been many. So this, you know, it's it's a pretty big deal for him. And for yeah. those who aren't familiar, somewhere down the road we might release, we have a special episode, we did an hour-long discussion just on Richard Thompson. We might release that somewhere down the, lo- the road, but if you're not familiar with him, you know, he came up in the 60s with a British band, Fairport Convention, went on to do solo albums with him and his wife, Linda Thompson. They... Uh, divorced and since then he's been basically a solo artist and works really hard Mm -hmm. fantastic guitar player great songwriter and kind of a hidden gem if you haven't heard him and and you're interested in good guitar playing and good songwriting please 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 check out Richard Thompson affirmed but it it was really interesting so they had the concert Monday evening uh, in London and as far as I can tell they haven't no one saw any cameras there which is a kind of a shame but a lot of people have released the YouTube videos so and the, the whole set list is out there. They did two full sets, and it was Richard and his regular band, which is just a three-piece, really, him, bass, and drums. But when you look at the guest list, uh, the guest performers who played with him at this concert, I mean, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a more diverse group of guest performers. Yeah. Such a cool list. Bob Mould oh, yeah. uh, from Who's Du. He played with them on two songs, including one, Turning of the Tide, which is a great song. And, and, and Bob Mould, he just kind of reinvented it, and it was, it was fantastic. He's kind of like the uh, American Richard Thompson in a way. This in a weird I, way, I see I like a kindred spirit right. kind of thing going on you there. You could definitely tell. I wouldn't have thought that until I saw him on stage. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought but, it until he just threw his name out there, but... yeah. Yeah. It was really good. Um, they both have that kind of like, thing. A little bit, you know yeah. I mean? yeah. A little bit, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I had to throw that in there. No, absolutely. 
<laughs> and they were both playing these strats on stage that were just mm. like, you know, ice pick sharp. It was really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dave Maddox and Dave Pegg were there from Fairport Convention. Danny Thompson, I don't know if you know him. He's not related to Richard Thompson, confusingly, but he's a bass player who played with Pentangle. Huh. Um, Loudon Wainwright III was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin and Eliza Carthy. And Eliza Carthy, she sang this beautiful a cappella version of this song, The Great Valerio which is just, hmm. I mean, I can't even describe the song except to say that it's just a very, very dark, dreary song that has all these weird melodic and chord changes. And for someone to take that on a cappella, God bless. Um, wow. hmm. And you said there's not a recording of this, right? Uh, there is uh, fan recordings. I'm sure they're going to do a an audio recording. I, I really oh, right on, but it's not out yet. Right on. David Gilmore, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him or not. Never heard uh, of A small band called uh, Pink Floyd. <laughs> He came on with them and and played two songs, one of which was an early Pink Floyd song uh, called Big Fat Sun, Hmm. and Hmm. the other one is uh, Dimming of the Day, which is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite Richard and Linda Thompson songs. And uh, and Gilmore's solo on it, he actually starts off by playing the uh, Comfortably Numb solo. Oh, interesting. And then goes off in these other directions. Just beautiful. He was joined by his son... And his daughter Teddy and Kami Thompson, and remarkably Linda Thompson, joined them on stage. Oh, really? So the entire Thompson family was there, which is the huh. first time that they've sung oh, together. Oh, how cool is that? Really long time. It, That's really a beautiful neat. thing. But then, uh, the star of the show, and and this just caps off Richard Thompson. So he has this list of luminaries, and then top of the bill is Derek Smalls. Yes. From huh. Spinal Tap. Oh, man. (laughs) And they performed a song called She Puts the Bitch in Obituary. (laughs) (laughs) There he is. So, yeah. Um, So, yeah, I don't know if a video, a professional video is ever going to come out, but the audio is out there. It was really cool. It was great to see. You know, it it was an old, very, very reserved British audience. Right. Uh, A lot of bald heads out there, so it's not the Mm -hmm. most exciting event but i'm sure really the tickets cool weren't see. super cheap they were not they were they, they were, were boomer, there were a lot of boomers in the house yeah that's for sure <laughs> hmm. right but on. it's cool to see man it's nice to see whenever you one of your heroes gets a, a hero's treatment yeah, yeah 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 it's i mean you know i hope they release that that would be that'd be really cool definitely right on all right guys well another great episode fantastic sure this one's going to be popping up to the top of the uh, itunes number one <laughs> podcast list here shortly It'll be the latest uh, episode, so yeah. This has probably. been You Should Check It Out. If you want to check us out, we're up and running on all the big podcast stuff, and you can find us there. And Greg is our social media guru, and he's got us all up on Facebook and Instagram, and yeah, you man. know those places to check us out. For my pick, for my music pick this week, I kind of went in a different direction. I was going to play one of the Richard Thompson songs, but uh, my son Ben and I, uh, we like watching NPR's Tiny, Tiny Desk concerts together. Ooh. He really likes them because... Did you show him the Lizzo one? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually is fantastic, amazing, by the way. Just not appropriate for kids. I haven't seen that one yet. That, that one we've skipped. It is fantastic. It's really nice. good. Greg. Awesome. <laughs> it really is. I almost yeah. picked a Lizzo song this week. <laughs> I, you know, two <laughs> weeks ago. I just can't ago, stop hearing it everywhere. <laughs> if we weren't doing the Zappa episodes, I was going to do one of the Lizzo. Lizzo oh, wow. Myself. That's hilarious. Um, but this band, which I was not familiar with before we saw they popped up on Tiny Desk, is called E La Bamba. And they're, I was wondering and, how you found these guys. Yeah, I hadn't heard about them before. They have three or four albums out. They just released an album called 
Entre los Dos, and there uh, they have a female uh, front man, front woman, and she plays a beautiful jag, uh, glitter Jaguar guitar, and she's a really fantastic guitar player. I don't know her name, so apologies for that. I don't know any of the members of the band's name. I don't know any of their history, but, but they're the really worth yeah. checking out. <laughs> <laughs> and this and this is a song called Sonia Dora off of their uh, 2019 album Entre Los Dos, which um, had been rocking. He loves these these guys, so I, I thought I'd Oh, cool. I'd Está bien, amigos. Ah, sí. Sí, está bien. Have a good week. All right, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. You all have a great yeah. week. Stay safe. You too. You too, brother. Brothers. And here's Sonia Dora. Sonia Dora.